Today on the Craft Room Podcast, we are going to talk all about scrapbooking. This is episode 16. Welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Lewis, professional crafter, craft teacher, and all-round craft enthusiast. This podcast will help you get great value from your craft supplies and perhaps help you discover new techniques, ideas, and products to take your crafting to the next level. There is so much craft to talk about, so let's dive right in. Just a couple of quick warnings before we get into today's episode. Number one, this is a lot longer than I would usually chat for. I just went and I kept going. So uh, if you need a cup of tea, go get one now. And number two, I am going to be discussing some people in my life who've passed away and the relevance of scrapbooking to recording memories. Now, if you require a trigger warning, if this is something that may upset you, here it is. Uh, but I promise I am keeping it in the memory keeping realm and not going into details. So there you go. If you feel like you might be a bit sensitive to it today, maybe come back to this episode another time. Without further ado, let's get into it. Hello, welcome to the Craft Room Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And if this is your first time here listening, a very special welcome to the Craft Room to you. Now today, as mentioned, we are talking about scrapbooking and it is a big topic. Today, I want to talk mostly though about what is scrapbooking. I'll tell you how I got into scrapbooking. And we're going to talk about the different types of scrapbooking because as much as I wanted this to be one of those, here are the top 10 things you need to start scrapbooking type of episodes, there are different styles and forms of scrapbooking and you need different things for each type. So I am going to give you my list of top needs, but we're also going to talk about the wants because that's the fun stuff, right? So I'm going to also talk about why we scrapbook, the importance behind it, and share a couple of very important projects that I have done. So let's dive right in. If you have never heard of scrapbooking before, it's essentially the art and craft of taking your photographs, recording the memories and the details and adding a decorative element. At least that's how I see it. So scrapbooking has been around for almost as long as photography. Think about it. Back when photography was brand new, not everyone had a camera, film was expensive, processing was expensive, and therefore photographs were valued. It made a lot of sense to decorate something so valuable and even more sense to document events that accompanied the photographs. I mean, these days we have digital photography. We can take a photograph with our phones. When you think about it, that's actually quite amazing. But there's always been this element of taking a photograph and recording the memories and the details associated with that image. And it's in the recording of the details that more value and significance is added to the photos. I mean, I've seen very old scrapbooks. People have been adding a decorative element to their photographs for a very long time. But scrapbooking as we know it now, I actually consider it to be pretty modern craft. That's because a whole industry sprung up around it. I mean, specific products just for adding to your photos. That is a relatively new concept. I got into scrapbooking around 20 years ago, and there were just so many factors that made it an absolute certainty that this was going to happen. This was going to be my new hobby. Number one, I was a keen photographer. I've always loved the challenge of capturing that perfect image but I also love recording family functions and activities and I was kind of like the unofficial photographer in my workplace. I have literally thousands and thousands of photographs in my home so photo and camera buff 
Check. Uh, number two, I was already a card maker. So I already had supplies and tools that lent themselves very nicely to moving over to scrapbooking. Therefore, I was not starting from scratch. Let's check that box. Number three, I had a new baby. I was a new mum and I wanted to record all of the baby firsts, the little cute things and the candid photos. I had this brand new gorgeous little subject to document. So we'll check that box as well. Number four, one of my very best friends had become a creative memories consultant. She was super enthusiastic about scrapbooking and I like to support my friends when they have a new business. So we'll check that box. And lastly, number five, the one that cemented this as being my new hobby. I was on a TV game show and I won this prize pack that included tons of scrapbooking gear. There were albums and papers and page protectors and all these themed kits like wedding and travel and pets and babies. And so when my creative memories friend found out that I'd won this prize pack, she was like, that's it. Come on, you're coming over. I'm getting you started. And she invited me to a crop. Now, if you've never heard of a crop, it's essentially a scrapbooking event. It might be held in a community hall or a church hall or a scrapbooking store or even in someone's home. It can be official. It can be unofficial, just a gathering of friends. But you take your scrapbooking gear, you go out and you mingle with other people and you all work on your pages in one big room together. It's very fun. It's a, a big social activity night and as a new mum who was home by herself pretty much all of the time with a shift working husband this was fantastic for me like total sanity saver I went to my first crop I created my first layout if you've never heard that phrase before a layout is it's just a page that you create to put in your album a single layout is just a single page a double layout is when you create two pages that face off in your album, one on the left and one on the right, so that when you open a page, it just goes across both pages. So along I went to this crop. Uh, there was somebody there who was selling some scrapbooking supplies and I had a few things from my friend and I had a few of my own things. And uh, I took the most recent photos that I'd taken and uh, my collection was painfully small. <laughs> I created my first layout. Now, if you would like to see my very first scrapbooking page that I made, I am going to put a photo of that on the blog. So if you are looking for anything from today's episode, you can find it in the blog post, links, photos, any products I mention. There'll also be a full transcript of today's episode. You can find that at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 16. That's number one, six. Anyway, so you can find a picture of my first layout there. And it's uh, photos that I had taken of my daughter and my, my scrapbooking friend's daughter playing together in our home. And I feel that it was very fitting that that was my first layout. And for my first go, I, I actually think it's not too bad. I went on to create hundreds of layouts. I don't actually have them in proper albums yet, not all of them. That is my summer project that I'm determined to get done preferably before my next birthday. I think we should talk about the different types and styles of scrapbooking. Now, there's probably what I would call three main styles of scrapbooking. The first is what I refer to as traditional uh, this is taking your photos, you place them down onto a backing sheet of cardstock, you add your text like names, dates, places, stories, all the written word that goes with it, which is referred to as journaling, and then adding a decorative element. You might add little borders, titles, flowers, stickers. There are all sorts of embellishments. We will get to those later on. Uh, for traditional scrapbooking, there really are 10 things that you need to start scrapbooking. Number one. Photos. You cannot make a scrapbooking album without photos. Now, 
a word about the pictures that you're using in your album. If you are using something that you have the negatives or the files for and you can very easily reproduce them, feel free to cut them up into whatever crazy shapes and strips and add colour and ink and paint over the image, do whatever you like to it. But if you are working with old photographs of which there is only one copy and no negatives and no files, if it is old and historic, you want to be sure to scan that first. I'd also recommend not securing it permanently in your album. For me, when it comes to old photos, if I'm adding them to an album, especially something I don't have a copy of, I scan it first. That way I have it on file and I'll back it up in a few different places as well, uh, you know, just in case. I'll usually add it in with photo corners to my album so I can remove the photo from the album if needed. So let's say I scanned it and I've got the file on my computer, but it, it corrupts. It means I can always go back and very easily just pop the photo out of the album, scan it again if I need to. So that's just a little hint there about your photos. The number two thing that you need is an album. Now, I know that might seem obvious because you can't create a scrapbook album without an album of some sort. There are a number of different types of album to choose from. The most common are postbound and ringbound albums. My personal preference these days is a ringbound album. However, both have their pros and cons. Let's talk about postbound albums. Each time you buy a pack of page protectors, you receive a little set of post extenders in the pack. So what you can do is you take the front cover off your postbound album, then you screw in the little post extenders, add your new page protectors, and then you put the cover back on. So this allows you to expand your album to quite a decent thickness. And the bonus is that you can fit as many pages as you want into an album. The downside for me on a postbound, though, is that I find the posts and the little screw pieces to be really frustrating. And there is nothing worse than going through all the frustration of putting an album together and then realizing you need to put one more page in. And then you have to take it all apart, add that page and then try to put it back together again. Sometimes the screws don't line up or they're crooked when they go in and it, it can be frustrating. First world problem, I know, but it can be frustrating. So this is why I prefer ring bound albums. However, I used the post bound albums for a really long time because I won a bunch of them in my prize pack. And why would I go and buy something new when I had something that was going to do the job? So I used them. They did the job and they actually hold up really, really well. So then there's ring bound albums. These I prefer because they're so easy. You just open the rings, add your page protectors and snap the rings back together. However, here's the downside to these. If it gets a lot of wear and tear, I mean, kids are looking at it and let's face it, they're not always super careful with things. And especially if you have overfilled it, the rings can kind of come apart. They don't snap back together all the way. And when that happens, the pages can slip out and then they're hanging by one hole and it can be this whole disaster. If you've ever had a snap ring plan or a lever arch file from school or office days, you know, sometimes the rings don't completely join up and that can be frustrating. However, if you have the album to capacity and you don't plan on adding or subtracting any more pages to the album, you can simply tape up the rings and they're done. Uh, you just tape over the gap and you leave it that way. 
The other downside is you really can only fill it to a certain capacity. With a post bound, you can just keep adding and adding and adding and make it, you can make it 10 centimetres, 20 centimetres thick if you want to. But with a bound album, you are limited. I mean, you, you want it to close. That's the point of an album, not have so many pages in it that it just lies open permanently, you know, unless that's what you're after. So, you know, pros and cons, they both have their pluses and their minuses. Now, Honourable Mention does go to the old Creative Memories albums. They were strap bound albums which were really clever because each page had a little kind of like a long staple that came out of the side of the page and you could run a strap through there which made them so easy to put together and take apart sometimes I kind of regret not using this album style however the way that they went together meant you had to scrapbook chronologically and I wasn't working that way at the time so I went with postbound because that's what I had The last thing you need to know about albums is not only are there different types, there are different sizes. When I started, it was mostly 12 by 12 and eight and a half by 11 inch albums. The eight and a half by 11 inch albums weren't super popular here in Australia. That's because the page they hold is an American letter size, which was hard to get. Yes, you could get some of those letter size pattern papers. Uh, It wasn't impossible to get them but they weren't as common as the 12 by 12. I started with 12 by 12s and my kids use the eight and a half by 11 because that's what was in my price pack. Uh, As the years went by, different sized albums became available. I've worked with eight by eight, six by six, and I've even created some little four inch square albums. I also made an album in a tin. Now, there are different kinds and different sizes and shapes. I'm not going to even go into all the shaped MDF albums and paper bag albums and all these other trends and clever products. They've come, they've gone. But if we're talking traditional scrapbooking, generally speaking, I'm going to assume 12 by 12. 6 by 6 was also very popular, but 12 by 12 was really the thing. Let's move on to number three, and that is page protectors. Page protectors are essentially just a plastic sleeve that you slide your layout into when it's done and it protects it from the elements and whatever's on the opposing page so that things aren't damaged. It protects against dust, sticky fingers, coffee spills and other such potential disasters that might ruin all your hard work. And you can't have a ring bound or a post bound album without page protectors. It it just can't be done. You can get them in all different sizes to suit the different types of albums, the different size of albums. And when you are going to shop for page protectors, it is advisable to take your album with you. Page protectors vary from brand to brand and they may have the holes for your posts or your rings in different places. It's kind of like smartphones. You know, there's a new release smartphone and oh my goodness, it's got a different charger. Now you have to buy our charger for your phone. It's a similar concept with albums and page protectors. It's a way for the album companies to make sure you buy their page protectors to fit their albums by putting posts and rings in different places to their competition. Because let's face it, we buy the album which has the pretty cover that we want and so then you need to buy the page protectors that fit in that album. So if you already own page protectors, take one with you when buying an album. And if you already own the album, take it with you when you're buying page protectors. There are some workarounds if the holes don't line up. You can punch yourself new holes. Very simple. Although I would recommend reinforcing the spine of that page protector first before you punch the holes. The first one would be to use washi tape. Put it down along the edge of the page protector before you punch the holes, not just on the front, 
also on the back. Uh, the next thing would be using whole reinforcing stickers, which you can get in office or stationery stores like Officeworks here in Australia. It's a pretty common office supply. It kind of looks like a little sticker donut. It reinforces the holes that have been punched. Now, because this is a photo album, people are going to want to look at it. Turning pages, there's going to be stress on those holes. And if it's a hole that you've punched and it's not reinforced, like the ones that come already done, and especially if the new hole is overlapping an existing hole, you need as much support as you can provide. Otherwise, you're going to end up with a rip and you're going to have to replace that page protector. Now, number four adhesive. There are a lot of things to stick down when you're scrapbooking. There are a couple of tips I want to give you first up about adhesive. The first is you need it to be acid free so it doesn't create any damage to all of the product that you've purchased and the work you've put in and the photos of value that are in your album. The second thing I would say is skip dollar store adhesive. I know it's tempting. I have a lot of it. I used it early on when it first hit dollar stores thinking I could save some money Everything I stuck down with that has yellowed, damaged, and some of it's just fallen off. So skip dollar store adhesive. I mean, dollar stores have plenty of other things that are very cool, but adhesives are not one of them. I honestly think I could do an entire episode just about craft adhesives. So maybe I should slate that. I'll make a note to do that another day. But in my adhesive collection, there are three that I use more than anything else. The first is double-sided tape. I use so much three millimeter double-sided tape. It's inexpensive, it's petite, it's acid-free, and it's cheap. I like the Express It brand. It's really good, strong adhesive, and a 25 meter roll is $2.25. Like it's so affordable and there's so much on the roll. I will link to that three mil that I use in the show notes. And for times when I want a little bit of dimension, I use 12 millimeter double-sided foam tape. I prefer the 12 millimeter because I can cut big pieces if I want to, but I can also trim down quite small pieces. And it just means I only need one roll of it on my desk. I also use the Express It brand of foam tape. I'll link to that in the show notes as well. It's really good and strong and you can have it in your album because when the album is closed, yes, there's going to be pressure and the foam's going to flatten down. But when you open it up, it's going to pop up a little bit more. So it's not a rigid kind of adhesive. It's not solid. It's got a little bit of give in it. My third most favorite style of adhesive is a good liquid glue. I recommend a white glue over a clear glue. They tend to be too liquid and they can make your cardstock and paper buckle and warp, which is not a good look. My very favorite brand is the Tombow Mono Liquid Glue. Oh, I love that stuff so much. It comes in a double-ended bottle. One end has a super fine applicator, so you can apply very little tiny dots to super intricate dyes or little tiny places and pieces. The other end has this silicon chisel nib, so if you need to apply a lot of glue over a larger area, you can do that. And I find one bottle goes a really, really long way. It's not only a great permanent adhesive, but if you apply it and let it dry before you stick it down, it becomes a temporary adhesive as well. I have never really had a problem with the nibs clogging. It's a fantastic adhesive. I've just found a new supplier in Australia, so hopefully that one will be coming back into the store soon. Uh, when it does, I'll throw a link in so that you can find it if you're listening to this a long time after the release date. Now, of course, there are other adhesives that I use. Sometimes I'll use a dot runner, like a snail type adhesive, like rolling white out, but it's adhesive. 
I sometimes use a vellum adhesive. I really don't know if they make it anymore, but I have this Scotch brand vellum adhesive. It's invisible under vellum. It's the only one I've ever found that is really properly invisible. Uh, mine is probably 15 years old. It's really, really old. The packaging makes it obvious how old it is. Uh, glue sticks are sometimes found in scrapbooking supply stores. I am not a fan though. Anything I stuck on in the early days with a glue stick has fallen off the page and is now sitting in the bottom of the page protector. I'll be going through and re-adhering all of those things when I put my albums together properly in summer. Number five is a trimmer. You need something to cut those big 12-inch square pieces of cardstock and pattern paper. I'm not going to go too much into trimmers because I already talked about these in episode four. If you haven't listened to that one yet or you want a refresher, I will link to that episode in the show notes. I also talk about die cutting machines in that episode. Just an FYI, that is not something I consider a need for scrapbooking. It is certainly a want. I've been scrapbooking for years and years before I bought one. But basically with trimmers, there are three main style, guillotine style, blade in the track style or rotary blade style. When I started, I didn't have a trimmer. I had a metal ruler, a craft knife and a self-healing mat and it did the job. As long as you have something that is going to cut a proper straight line, that is all you need. Number six, cardstock. You need to lay everything down on something and that is usually cardstock. When you buy page protectors, they usually come with a piece of cardstock inside the sleeve. I've bought them with white cardstock and black cardstock. But if I want a pink background or a green background or an orange background, I'm going to use a different piece of cardstock for that. You can buy your cardstock in individual pieces, which is great because you can just buy the colours you want. You can also buy them in packs, which are great value, but you're kind of stuck with the colours in the pack. If you use a lot of pink, you're going to go through all the pink quickly and then you need to buy more pink, which is when it's time for you to start buying individual sheets. Uh, there are different kinds of cardstock, smooth, textured. There's even been a cardstock that has a different color in the core. I think it was called coordinations. So when you tear it, you see a different color inside. It was very cool. Generally speaking, cardstock is most readily available in 12 by 12. And then you can trim that down for smaller album sizes. I have seen cardstock packs that are 8x8 and 6x6. Not so much now, but they were around back when scrapbooking was a much bigger deal. And then, of course, you know, if you want to, you can use all sorts of different cardstock that you already have in your craft stash. If you've got it, try it out. Why not? Uh, just be mindful that you really should be using acid-free supplies. So if in doubt, don't. That's good advice for most things. Number seven, patterned paper. We are starting to move into want territory here, but these are things that I recommend getting. Maybe just don't go as overboard as I did. I love patterned paper. I have more of it than I will ever be able to use in my lifetime, even if I make it to 100. A personal challenge for me in 2019 has been to use all the leftover patterned paper and cardstock on my desk. It doesn't seem to matter how many projects I make, I am still not getting through that stack. I've taken to just making blank card bases so I can add coloured images and sentiments to them later on just to use it up. Pattern paper is a fantastic way to add decoration. You can use a whole sheet of pattern paper as your background, thereby lessening the need for cardstock, or you can just trim or tear pieces to use as borders or mats, other types of decoration. Sometimes if I'm using a big piece of pattern paper that's going to have a large photo over the top of it, 
I will cut a piece out of the middle. And I do that for a couple of reasons. Number one, it feels like a waste of patterned paper. I mean, it's it's all going to be hidden under this great big 10 by 8 photo. I'm going to cut that piece out and I'm going to use it somewhere else. The other reason I do this is to cut down on the bulk in my album. I tend not to enjoy very bulky pages and albums. So if I can cut down on bulk in my album, I absolutely will. Pattern paper comes in different sizes, but the most common these days would be 12 by 12 and 6 by 6. I am a huge fan of 6 by 6 paper pads and I own a lot of them. So many that I have officially run out of room for new ones. Uh, I have a video over on my YouTube channel showing how I took one 6 by 6 paper pad and I used every single page in there to create 66 cards. I like 6 by 6 pads for cards because they are scaled small, which is perfect. My pro tip for you in purchasing your pattern papers is don't go overboard. Get what you need for your current project and maybe a couple of pretty things that make your heart sing. Buying with purpose is a surefire way not to be stuck with a huge stack of papers years down the track that you will never use. And trust me, they do not keep resale value. It is very difficult to sell old papers. Number eight, embellishments. Decoration is an integral part of creating a layout and scrapbook albums, but it is very easy to get a little bit carried away buying embellishments. And there are so many different kinds. Embellishments are things like buttons, brads, eyelets, mini tags, uh, die cuts, washi tape, paper flowers, adhesive gems, adhesive pearls, string, twine, ribbon, stickers, frames, staples. There are so many more things. There have been some really cool trends that have come and gone in embellishments. Uh, some of my favorites were colored hot glue sticks. That, they were super fun for making faux wax seals and colored plastic slide frames. I really enjoyed them. You can't get those now, but you know, if someone's de-stashing, you might be able to find them. What I love about my favorite scrapbooking companies is that they release entire collections you can get papers and embellishments that are fully coordinated. This makes it so easy to put together a completely cohesive album from beginning to end. I've done this a few times, uh, including a traditional 12 by 12 album for a trip we took to Fraser Island a long time ago. I used papers and embellishments from SEI. Wow, I can't believe I can't believe I can remember that. I can't remember if I had a already had a cup of tea today, but I can remember that. My brain is so weird. Okay. So I used this SEI brand. It had these muted pastel shades of blues and greens and browns, which I chose because of the beach and the ocean and the whale watching photos that I took. All the coordinating papers and embellishments and everything that came out with that range, when you choose a coordinating range from start to finish, it cuts down on brain strain. It saves time finding things that work together and the finished album, it just looks so incredible. So embellishments are definitely the fun part. And yes, they are a want. However, they fill the decorative requirement of what is scrapbooking. So I do consider them a need. Just, you know, just go easy and buy with purpose. Number nine is a pen or a marker. If I had a dollar for every time people have said to me, I don't write in my scrapbook albums or on my layouts because I hate my handwriting. I would be very, very rich. Sure, if you don't like your handwriting, you can type something up, print it out from your computer. However, if you, like me, have ever lost a family member or a friend and you come across a birthday card or a little note with their handwriting on it, doesn't that count as treasure? 
I was overjoyed recently to find a little note that my dad wrote me because that's it. There isn't going to be any more of his handwriting ever. So if you are making albums that your kids are going to keep and look at and enjoy, for them to see your handwriting in there when you are gone is going to be very important to them. So, and I say this with lots of love, you need to get over yourself and use your handwriting somewhere in your album. It doesn't have to be everywhere, but use it somewhere. It doesn't matter if it's just a name or a date or something simple, but somewhere in your family albums, please use your handwriting. It will mean a lot to your kids down the track. This is why having a good pen or marker is important. You want something that you enjoy using that won't smudge, won't fade or disappear. Never use an erasable pen in your album. Uh, They are heat reactive and if the album gets hot, your writing will disappear. True story. Anything that makes you feel good and gives a good result. Acid free is a bonus. If you're making lamps where you've got one page on the back of another page. Just make sure it doesn't bleed through. And I usually write on a separate piece of cardstock and add it on later to avoid this little problem. If you are doing a double page layout where they go together and you don't have page protectors, maybe you're using the old Creative Memories albums, which didn't come with page protectors, one of the few that didn't. You could get them to slide over the page, but you could leave them without. Make sure that your writing is dry before you put something on top of it or close the album up, just just saying. And if you want to write something quite personal that you don't want random people to see who may flip through your album, a hidden journal spot like a tag tucked in behind a photo or into a pocket is an excellent idea. Number 10, storage. I know it's not technically something you use in your scrapbooks, but once you start scrapbooking and you've got some stuff, you're going to need storage. I've talked a lot about storage in episode 12, so I will link to that one in the show notes. My very first item of storage was a crate that I probably got at a dollar shop or it was maybe just hanging around the house. It was kind of like a plastic milk crate kind of deal. When I first started, everything I owned fit into that crate with room to spare. When I went for my first weekend scrapbooking retreat, that is all I took with me. I literally took this one tub and I was amazed at all these women who had suitcases and tubs piled up high next to their desks. But we all know what happened the next time I went to that retreat. I had three tubs with me and I have zero regrets about that. Look, these 10 things are pretty much all you need for traditional scrapbooking. Yes, there are lots of other things, but you grow into those things and you don't necessarily need them to begin creating a traditional album. So let's move on to the next style of scrapbooking, digital scrapbooking. This is what I moved into when I kind of burned out on traditional scrapbooking. I didn't have enough time to create traditional layouts. I needed something quicker. I think I was looking around the two peas in a bucket forums. Wow, that's a blast from the past. And that's where I discovered digital scrapbooking. Switching to this method was a no-brainer for me. I spend a lot of time on my computer anyway, and the only space that digital scrapbooking takes up in your home is on the hard drive of your computer. There is nothing sharp that might injure inquisitive little fingers. It takes no time to set up and no time to pack away. And it's incredibly affordable. There are a few things that you need. In fact, there are only three things that you need to do digital scrapbooking. Number one, photos. Yes, just like traditional scrapbooking, you need 
photos, you can't scrapbook without them. With digital scrapbooking, though, you will be using digital images. Given that we all probably have hundreds of photos on our phones or taken with a digital camera on our computers, it's incredibly convenient. You can also scan original photos or negatives or slides to use on your digital pages. Easy peasy. Number two, photo editing software. You don't need a scrapbooking program for your computer, but you do need some sort of photo editing software that allows you to add layers that you can resize and move around. I use Photoshop. However, I know Photoshop is not everyone's cup of tea. I used to have a really old suite. I think I was using Photoshop 7, but when I upgraded to my current computer with Windows 10, whatever it is, it's no longer compatible. So I actually rent Photoshop, which means I always have the most up-to-date one, but I use it a lot for my business. So it all works out. But any kind of software like Photoshop is going to do the job. And if that Photoshop pay by the month thing is out of your budget, I'm going to link in the show notes to an excellent Photoshop substitute. It's free to use. You use it online. The tools and the overall look of it are pretty much the same as Photoshop. It's called Pixlr, P-I-X-L-R. You can find a link in the show notes, also on the blog. What you're looking for in a photo editing software is the ability to add layers. Just like traditional scrapbooking, where you have your background and then you put down a border and then you put down a photo mat, which is just a piece of cardstock or paper that's a bit bigger than your photo. You put your photo on top of that, nice and centered, so it has a frame. You put down your journaling, your information, your text, you put down your embellishments. It is no different in digital scrapbooking. The only difference is that instead of a product, each layer is a file. Number three, digital kits or elements. Oh my goodness. When I discovered all these amazing digital things, man, I was just blown away. A couple of years ago, I switched computers and I had to back everything up. And I took this opportunity to go through my digital scrapbooking kits and I had over 200. I kid you not. When I went back and looked at them, I realized some of them were pretty basic and I've become a bit fussy about what I like and don't like. So I actually deleted a lot of them. They were mostly freebies I picked up, but I kept my favorite kits and the elements that I would still use. And I do still use them on occasion. I went through a phase where if I needed a quick layout, I would just do it digitally. And I will add an example of one of my digital layouts on the blog post as well. So you can compare my one of my early ones. Oh, you know what? I'll put up one of my favorite ones. Look, if you have never used Photoshop or photo editing software where you sort of add things in and move them around, it's going to take a little time to learn and become comfortable with the program. I would recommend finding the software you want to use, then looking up some tutorials for that software on YouTube. The concept of digital scrapbooking is simple. You just put the layers down and you can make the things bigger, make them smaller, move them around. When you're done with your digital layout, you've got a few options. One of the things I've done with them is to put them onto an SD card, which went into a digital photo frame. It's like running a slideshow in a frame permanently in your house. And this was a great gift for my mum a few years ago because she loves having lots of photos up but doesn't have a lot of wall space. So this way she had a slideshow that she could put on and enjoy. Another thing I've done with them is to print them out and put them into an actual physical album. But my favourite thing that I've done with digital scrapbooking is to create a photo book. So I wanted to do an entire year's album. And the beauty of digital photography was that I could make a full year's worth of layouts to go in a 20 or 22 page photo book. When I used templates, I could get it done in one or two days. I tell you, 
I was able to put them together really fast, sitting at my computer in front of the air conditioner, as this is usually a job I would do in January. The first page is a title page, and the last page is a list of everything we did that year. Sometimes I would use different kits for every single page. Uh, One year I used one kit throughout the whole album, like a cohesive, coordinated line, and it looked fantastic. I loved it. So quick. And there are a bunch of places you can order photo books from here in Australia. We've got Kmart, Big W, Domain, Harvey Norman, Snapfish. There's probably heaps more. If they print photos, they probably do photo books. I am subscribed to all of their email newsletters. And the first one who has a special on 8x8 photo books got my order for the year. All I had to do was upload the files, which were all done, into the shop's website. I picked the book, arranged the pages and placed my order. Then I could pick it up and bam, I had my photo book. Another great advantage to doing these as photo books is the space saving on my shelf. Oh my goodness. They are small and slender. They take up nowhere near the real estate that a traditional album does. And if that photo book gets looked at and loved to death, I have still got the files and I can just print another one. It's too easy. I did that for probably five or six years, as well as making some special albums. So we went on a cruise and I did a whole photo book just about the cruise Uh, for my husband's 40th. He had a V8 experience, like he got to drive the car and go on a hot lap, all that kind of stuff. Uh, So I did a whole album of just all the hundreds of photos I took on that day. Digital scrapbooking is fast. And once you get used to your software and find your favorite kits, it's easy and it takes up no space. So if you're computer minded, this might be an excellent choice for you. Now let's move on to the third style of scrapbooking that has been incredibly popular and that is pocket scrapbooking, best known as Project Life. Becky Higgins was on a winner when she introduced this to the scrapbooking community. Pocket scrapbooking is amazing. Now I haven't done an entire pocket album using this method, but I have done some pocket scrapbooking for magazine uh, commissions. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. So here are the top four things you need for pocket scrapbooking. Number one, photos. Yes. Have you noticed photos are the number one thing that I always say? That's because you can't make an album without photos. Number two, album, because you can't make an album without an album. (laughs) These days, I think most of the albums that go with the pocket scrapbooking page protectors are ring bound albums. But if you have post albums, just use what you have. Number three, special page protectors. The page protectors are what make this type of scrapbooking different. So rather than just one big 12-inch square page protector where you slide a finished piece in the top and bam, it's done. The Project Life or Pocket Scrapbooking page protectors have sections and segments in different sizes. They might be six by four or two by three. There's all these different size pockets and you just pop your photo in. You don't need any adhesive or cardstock or mats or anything like that. They're not required. You, you absolutely can mat your photos if you want to. But you just pop everything that is part of your layer into a pocket. So there isn't actually any need to stick things down. The page protectors come in different pocket configurations. So you can mix and match them through your albums. Not every single page has to be the same. And you absolutely can mix in some traditional great big 12 inch square page protectors with the pocket ones. There's really, there's really no rules about this thing. Do as you like. Number four, project life 
cards. You can purchase Project Life or pocket scrapbooking cards in different sizes that match up with the pockets in the special page protectors. Uh, Project Life make absolutely stunning cards. Uh, Heidi Swap and Kaisercraft are two other companies that come to mind who make cool cards. A Project Life card is essentially it's a double-sided card. They usually have little rounded corners. Some of the designs, pure decorative. Others are specifically for journaling, so you can add your information. Pick which one you want, showing on which side of the page, and the other side will show through the opposite side. But if it doesn't coordinate with the layout that you've got on the other side, just grab another one and pop it in behind it. Very easy. And with the cards, if you're journaling on them, you just grab a card, you write down all your details, your story, your names, your dates, bam, pop it in a pocket, you are done. Now, can you fuss around and use embellishments and cardstock and pattern paper and all that kind of thing? Absolutely. Keep it super simple with cards and photos only or use all your fantastic traditional scrapbooking embellishments and cards and papers to make your own cards and really make this layout your own. There's nothing wrong with a hybrid style here. Now, there are other styles of scrapbooking as well, and I'm not going to go into as much detail on these, but I did want to mention them. I have seen some albums that focus mostly on the writing with small photos and minimal decoration. They're usually in some style of planner. It might be a traveler's notebook or a Bujo's. Other very popular, another popular style is Project 365. I did a couple of massive Project 365 projects. Very fun. If anyone's keen on trying it, I'm happy to walk you through my successes, my failures and the methods that I settled on. Uh, I think we'll go into that in another episode, though. It was a big project. And then, of course, we've got hybrid forms where perhaps you create a layout digitally. Maybe it's eight by eight, but then you stick it onto a traditional 12 by 12 album with some embellishments and paper and cards stuck around it. My Project 365 was a hybrid Project Life digital project. And I've done a whole bunch of other hybrid combos as well. It's just when it comes down to it, there's not just one way to scrapbook. There's no right way or wrong way. Just make sure your photos are safe and your memories are recorded. And this takes me into why we scrapbook. Essentially, the reasons why we scrapbook and why I consider this to be an important craft It goes back to the idea that photos are important. For example, when you lose someone close to you, the photos of them become very precious to you. They jog your memory, places you went, things that happened, stories you remember, in-jokes. Photos are, I think, emotionally very, very important. And then we have the family history aspect of it as well for those who are into genealogy. Photos are important. That's why we don't put permanent adhesive on the back of a photo from 1890, right? We scrapbook because we want to record memories. We scrapbook because we want to record family. We scrapbook to create a legacy, information and stories about our kids' childhood for them to look at. When they become parents, it's natural for them to want to compare their kids to themselves at the same age. It makes a lot of sense. We scrapbook for the creativity. It is flat out fun to unleash your creativity and to enhance and embellish and add to the story. And then there are the fun toys. What can I say? Let's talk about the social aspect of this. Going to a scrapbooking store, buying some things, chatting to other customers you meet at the store, chatting to the people who work in the store. There are events where you scrapbook together with others, going to a crop. Some of the best memories I have are scrapbooking weekends. There was one that I attended only a couple of weeks after my father passed away. And I actually, I almost didn't go, but my husband and my mum insisted that I do. 
So I went and I had the best time. It was a break from being all deep and serious and planning the funeral and trying for the umpteenth time to explain it to my kids. I went and I laughed so much. It was a great tonic. And I was also able to take pictures of my dad with me and record memories while they were fresh. It was a very cathartic experience and I'm, I'm so glad that I went. Now, as much as we put into scrapbooking, the time, the effort, the thought, the money, the supplies, the space in our homes, as much as we put into these albums, I feel that scrapbooking has actually given me so much more. It provided me with an income as I've worked in a few scrapbooking stores now. I met one of my best friends in my first scrapbooking store job and she introduced me to swapping. Oh my goodness. I joined this swap group called Oswap Till You Drop. It was founded by Rachel Gregg from Darkroom Door. It was on Yahoo. I love that group. It was my absolute obsession for years. I actually ended up uh, running that group in the long run and uh, I met two more of my very, very best friends in the world through that swap group. I can't imagine my life without these women in it. I really can't. Scrapbooking has given me friendships, confidence, income, so much joy. It has also given me a superpower. It gave me some skills that allowed me to do two very, very important projects. The first was my grandmother's photo album. So when my grandmother was in her late 80s, I started to think to myself, you know, she's getting up there in age should probably figure out these family photos. So she had this family album. It had photos going all the way back to her one of her mum's baby photos, my great-grandmother's baby photo from 1890. To actually hold that in my hands was very, very wonderful, but also very weird. Um, so my goal was to record the names, the places, the dates, who were these people. And I know that this is important. Uh, and this is really, really important. I know this because I have a box of photos from my father's youth. And now that he's gone, I can't ID anyone in these photos. I don't know why they were important to him. All I know is that they were important enough that he kept the photos forever. So what I did was I made a day. I traveled down to Sydney and I spent the day with my grandmother. The plan was to remove all the photos from the album, get them safely stored, record all the memories. However, they were so firmly stuck in that album that I had to be flexible. They, they couldn't be removed at all. I don't know what she used to stick them in there, but we, I, we had to change plans just a little bit. So I had a sketchbook with me and what I would do was turn to the first page. I sketched out how the page looked, where the photos were, numbered each of the boxes to ID the photo. And then we worked our way through. And so I, we'd look at photo number one and I'd write down number one and she would tell me the story and the details and I would write it down next to the corresponding number. So it worked really, really well. Some photos, they didn't really have a big story, just approximate dates and a name, but some of them had very important stories to go with them. There is a photo in this album, which is known in my family as The Photo. It is a beautiful photo taken of my grandmother after she had sung at a wedding in Sydney. And it's the photo that introduced her to my grandfather. Now, the story had always been told in one way to me. And when my grandmother sat down with me that day, she gave me different details than I was expecting. I've been telling the story wrong my entire life. And it was so wonderful to hear the story from the original source. So as it turns out, my grandmother's very cheeky friend from up the road had nicked this photo and included it with a fruitcake 
in a care package that was sent to the boys at the front. Uh, this is during World War II. The soldier who received the photo, he, he already had a sweetheart back home, so he passed it along to his mate, who upon seeing it apparently declared that uh, he was going to marry that girl when he came back home. And he did. He he brought that photo back with him. That that photo was in Tobruk and, and various other postings. It survived a world war. And here it was sitting in this album. I would not be here if not for that photo, a cheeky friend and a fruitcake. I mean, how wild is that? What a wild concept. So the next task in this big project uh, was to take all the photographs home with me, which I did, having been made to promise to take very good care of them, which I did. I scanned all of the photos and recorded all of the information that went with them. Every single photo file was named with dates, names and any information. That was the file name. So anywhere that photo goes digitally, that information goes with it. It was a huge job, uh, but a very worthwhile job. My next task was to use Photoshop to restore it as best I could. I took out dust marks, wrinkles, rips, tears, any damage as best I could and restored the photos. My third task was to make them into a printable size. I tried printing the very smallest photo and trust me, it was teeny tiny. And when I printed it full size as a six by four, it was just a pixelated mess, completely unrecognizable. So I created six by four inch files. I dropped the photo in. I made it as big as I could without losing any definition or detail. And for a lot of them, they didn't fill that entire six by four. So I added the text there on the photo, the names, the dates, the places, the stories. I put it right there on the printable. The very last thing that I did was I made a CD. That's how long ago I did this project. It was before thumb drives were cheap and readily available. Each disc had three folders, original scans, restored scans, and the printable image. And this was my Christmas gift to my family that year. And it meant that everybody had the family photo album. When my grandmother passed last year, it didn't matter who got the album because everybody had the photos. And that was because I was able to use my scrapbooking superpowers, also my Photoshop superpowers, and everybody really enjoyed that gift. The second project that I did, it was a really important project. And I'm warning you right now, you may need tissues for this one. While it's not a happy story, it demonstrates an important point. So my friend, the one who got me into scrapbooking, uh, she passed away about 14, 15 years ago. It was very sudden, very unexpected. When someone passes away, if you have a friend who's lost a parent, for example, you will say to them, if there is anything I can do to help, please let me know. Everyone says that. And sometimes people take you up on that offer, but most of the time people don't. I made that offer and I made it sincerely. And this time... My friend's mother-in-law took me up on my offer. She asked me if I could please take all of my friend's scrapbooking supplies and make three memorial albums, one for her husband and daughter, one for her in-laws and one for her parents. This, I, I said yes. This was going to be an emotional and a difficult project, but who was I to say no to that request? This was important. Her little girl needed those photos in one place with memories recorded. And so while it was a big project, three big projects, I did it because I could. And I learned stuff about my friend that I didn't even know. Uh, we became friends in our mid-20s. I didn't know her as a child. I didn't know her as a teenager. I didn't 
know her when she was studying to be a nurse overseas. And as I spoke to her husband and her sisters and her parents and her in-laws, I was getting all these stories and the information that went with the photographs that they'd given me. It was so nice to learn more about my friend and also a real privilege to be able to leave her family with these albums, these memories that they could keep and hold on to even though she wasn't there anymore. So I'm sorry I'm bringing a sad story to the podcast, but it's important for a couple of reasons. As crafters, we have crafting superpowers that we can use to do really good things. There are so many charities that you can craft for. It's mind-blowing. I actually think there's an entire episode on that subject alone. Actually, I'll do that. I'll write that down. Now, you may never have to do a memorial album, and goodness knows, you probably don't want anyone ever to have to create one of you. So I have a request to make of you, the scrapbookers, and even those of you who aren't scrapbookers, because it's not necessarily a scrapbooking thing. If you are a mum who doesn't get in front of the camera because you don't have your makeup on, or your hair needs a colour, or you want to lose a few kilos, please let that go. Our kids don't care about that stuff. They don't. They just want to see pictures of you the way they remember you. It's time to get in front of the camera because when you're gone, those photos will be very, very precious to them. I have an album which actually needs updating. I'm glad I've reminded myself of that. That will pass to my kids when I'm gone and it is full of my favourite stories and memories and things that I want them to know. Uh, I work on this album periodically. I haven't for a while, so that's I think that'll be a project I'm going to take on over summer as well. I work on this album so that nobody else has to and all my stories are told. So I even got my mother to do a little project. I gave her a jar full of strips of paper that had journaling prompts on them, things that I would like to know, you know, about when she was young and when I was young and her thoughts on particular things, you know, like politics and religion and and uh, and fun stuff as well. And so every year, and she promised me she would do it and she did. She would pull a prompt out of the jar and stick it into a notebook and she wrote her answers underneath. And uh, she's not going to give it to me. I'm to inherit it when she passes. And she assures me that it will be a very interesting read. On one hand, I'm looking forward to reading it. On the other hand, I'm not looking forward to reading it because it means she'll be gone. But there are ways that you can, just like I did with my grandmother, capture their memories beforehand, but also for yourself, leave the memory so nobody else has to prompt you and come to you to capture them. Now, when it comes to scrapbooking, we've talked about all these different methods and I want you to know there is no one right or wrong. You pick what works for you. Uh, Start simple. Maybe pick an event that you want to do. Just one album, maybe a small six by six album. When you do get into scrapbooking, it is very easy to go overboard and buy all the things. I have so many supplies that I've bought that are just sitting in my cupboard 15 years or older. My best advice is to shop with purpose. Really decide what you're going to do and do some planning. Cards on the table, I don't always plan, but when I do, I've noticed it saves me time. I save money. And my favorite of all, it saves my brain. It so saves my brain. Any time that I put into planning saves me tons of time later. It's like an investment. Another hot tip when you're starting out, sketches are great resources. There are literally thousands of scrapbooking layout sketches online. Becky Fleck does some of my favorites. Start looking at 
the way other people create layouts and you'll figure out the ones that you like. You're drawn to a particular style. Personally, I like fairly clean and simple. I don't use a lot of embellishments and I am really not keen on layouts where you can't even find the photo, where it's more about the product and less about the photograph. I'm all about the photo and probably less about the product. That said, it didn't stop me from buying plenty of products. But if you want to just start simple, look around. What do you like? What kind of size do you think you want to have? Go from there. It's so easy to get caught up in the stuff, but always bring it back to recording the memories because it's important. Make sure your handwriting is in there and make sure you are in there. I will link to all of the things that I've mentioned today in the show notes. You can find full transcript photos, links, the whole nine yards over on the blog post. So you can check that out. Again, if you can find that all today at dawnlewis.com.au backslash podcast 16. I hope that you're inspired to record the memories that go with your photographs. It can be as simple as sitting down with a photo album one night, pulling out a photo, remembering the story, jotting it down on an index card and popping it back in the album behind the photo. Start small and leave a beautiful legacy. Thanks so much for joining me in the craft room today. You can find links and other information about today's episode in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or leaving a review on iTunes or Stitcher. I'd really appreciate that. I do hope you have a very crafty day and I will see you next time. Bye for now.